Hello, and welcome to Our Savior's Lutheran Church Sermons. I'm Pastor Joshua Curtinback, and today we are celebrating the 10th Sunday after Pentecost. Our sermon text this morning is from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 6th chapter. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus had sent his disciples to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Those who ate of the multiplied loaves and fishes saw it. They sent the word out that Jesus can feed thousands, and more boats came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. But when they couldn't find Jesus, they decided to go to Capernaum, where he had been before, and where the disciples had gone. They could ask them where he went. To their surprise, Jesus was there. Rabbi, they said, when did you come here? They didn't see him leave. There was no other boat for him to get there. We know, of course, that our Lord walked across the sea. For as God in human flesh, he had power over the waves to tread upon them as on solid ground. But they were not to know this. They wouldn't get to the answer to their question. Instead, our Lord cuts right to the chase. They were not seeking him because of the sign that he did, which demonstrated that he was the Messiah, the incarnate Son of God. They were seeking him because they ate their fill of the loaves. They sought him for selfish reasons, so that they may be fed again, so that they would eat bread not by the sweat of their brow, but by following after Jesus. After exposing their hidden motives to the light, he continues by saying, Do not labor for the food that perishes. Let us be clear. When our Lord says, do not labor for the food that perishes, he is not saying that we should not work, that we must forego working in order to eat and instead become beggars, holding out our hands to be filled with food. No, what he's saying is that we must not set our hearts on the things of this life. We must not focus first and foremost on filling our bellies, on filling our perishable selves with perishable food. For there are a number of problems that we can run into with this. First, we can lose sight of where our food and all other perishable things, which we surround ourselves with, 
comes from. When we focus on accumulating earthly things, whether in large amounts that we hoard or only enough to survive, we're faced with the temptation to think and believe that we have earned these things for ourselves, to congratulate ourselves on what we have accomplished and what we have done in order to feed ourselves, provide for ourselves, or enrich ourselves, sinfully seeking ourselves as the giver of these good things through our hard work, setting ourselves up as little gods. And this is idolatry, for it takes what belongs to God and attributes it to ourselves. If our focus is on laboring for the food that perishes, we can fall into this self-idolatry. Know, brothers and sisters, that it is God himself who gives these things to us. It is he who answers our prayer for daily bread. It is he who blesses the work of our hands, that we may eat of the fruit of this labor. It is he who feeds us and all creation at the proper time. Yes, he enjoins us to work and to be rewarded for it, but he is the giver, and all thanks belongs to him for what we have and what he has given to us and to all people out of the love for his creation. The second temptation that can come from this is focusing on laboring for the food that perishes are the temptations to greed and to gluttony, to labor for the purpose of fulfilling only ourselves, to eat beyond satisfaction, to satisfy every need and desire, to gather for ourselves a multitude of earthly riches for the purpose of rather than God. But the Lord has given us these gifts, not only that we may provide for ourselves, but that we may care for each other, so that as we have received from God, we might likewise give to others, to demonstrate the care and love of our Savior Jesus Christ by acts of love and service. This is part of why our Lord gives to us that we may give again in return. So instead of laboring for the food that perishes, our Lord tells those who sought him to labor for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Those who came to him then ask a sensible question. How do we labor for such food? How do we work for the food that lasts to eternal life? What must we do to be doing the work of God? If we labor by the sweat of our brow for food that perishes, Surely we must do the same and far more for this better food. It is by ourselves. Perish the thought. Our Lord responds, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. It is not of works that we receive from the Son of Man the food that endures to eternal life. Rather, it is of faith. The one who was sent the one on whom God the Father has set his seal is the one who has done the working and the laboring for this food. The labor was twofold. First, his life of active obedience to the law of God, neither turning to the left nor the right, not falling to any of the temptations to idolatry or greed or gluttony or any other sin which we fallen creatures so often and miserably fall into. The second, his passive obedience in suffering and death on the cross, suffering in our stead to atone for sin. The food which lasts to eternal life, which gives, which he gives us, is the forgiveness of sins, the destruction of the devil's power over us, and the defeat of death. It is justification. It's in an eternal one. The Son of Man, our Lord Jesus Christ, gives this food that endures to eternal life to those who by grace believe in him. Thus, by faith we receive him, and are united with him, so that he dwells in us and we in him, 
so that having partaken of this wonderful food he gives, we may endure to in him to eternity. Those present, whose hearts were hardened by their own selfish wills, see this as a way to force our Lord by way of a trap to fill their bellies again. They say, What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. It was not enough that he once fed them, and now was feeding them with his heavenly words and teaching. No, they say, Moses fed our fathers, do the same for us, that we may believe. They twist the scripture to satisfy themselves. First, it was not Moses who gave the fathers. He was the source. Second, this bread's purpose was not to fill their bellies. While it did do that, that's not why the Lord gave them bread from heaven. But instead, he humbled them and let them hunger and fed them with manna, that he might make them know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. These ones instead see it in the opposite way because of the hardness of heart. Third, although manna is called bread from heaven and the bread of angels, it is not the food that endures to eternal life, far from it. For it is, in fact, extremely perishable. It would only last the day. If anyone tried to keep it for longer or tried to store it, it would rot and become filled with maggots and stink. Our Lord catches them in their twisting of scripture and responds, pointing out that the manna finds its ultimate fulfillment in the one standing before them. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus Christ himself is the true bread of God. For he is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He gives life to the world by giving his life for the world. He gives life to the world by destroying death. Destroying death, he gets rid of sin, for death is the wage of sin. And getting rid of sin by forgiving it, he overcomes the power of the devil. For, there, for where there is no sin, the devil cannot accuse. To eat this bread of life is to believe in him, to trust in him for salvation, because he has reconciled us to God. As St. Augustine says, Believe, and you have eaten already. For our Lord Jesus has said, Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Who is the one who never hungers nor thirsts except the one who is free from death? In placing these two side by side, he tells us to receive him as the bread of life is the same as to come to him and thus be satisfied. And we come to him by believing in him. For those who believe in him are likewise spiritually satiated, being wholly satisfied by the forgiveness of sins and all that comes with it, justification, peace with God, reconciliation, and the promise of eternal life. As a token of this, he gives us a sign, his own body and blood, which he gives to us with the bread and wine of the sacrament of the altar. The bread of life, whom we eat by faith, gives to us his life-giving body and blood to be received by our mouths. The bread of God, who comes down from heaven, gives us heavenly bread and wine, which convey his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins and strengthening of our faith. For he is the bread of life, the bread of God from heaven, who gives life to the world. And he would have us know this and hold this and cherish this deep within our hearts, which he has renewed and which he daily sanctifies by the Holy Spirit. He would have us cherish and hold fast that which he gives us all the benefits and gifts that he won for us on the cross, which he gives to us by faith. 
O bread of life from heaven. Grant that we may always receive you by faith, and so grasp the benefits you give. Life eternal in the new creation. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from our Savior Lutheran Church. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.